Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. We are now moving distinctly into previewing Tuesday's game and joining me today is one of my favorite guests, Matt Montgomery of RSL Soapbox. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you for calling me one of your favorite guests. No, you're, I, it's a, just a joy to have you on, <laughs> Matt. I, I love that you. I get to call you a colleague, uh, and so it's a good excuse to have you on. So Yeah, I'm uh, glad to be here. Yeah, so, well, let's just, you know, it's been, let's give some overview of this RSL season. It has been, I, I don't know how much it's been properly appreciated but this has been a pretty amazing ride that you've been on uh yeah i mean amazing is one word for it it's been at times like i mean it's like a true roller coaster there are parts where it's terrifying parts where you think like the whole thing's gonna fall apart and you're gonna plummet to your doom Uh, and then at the end like we rode into the station and we're like at the very end of the playoff line so i feel pretty good about it yeah i mean to to put people like I don't know how much this story I feel like it's been an underreported story like kind of the the story of RSL and I don't want to spend too much time getting into it but like the ten thousand foot level and please correct me when I misstate facts but this team has essentially been operated by the league all season mm-hmm. uh, they you know uh, Deloitte Deloitte why am I blanking on his name Deloitte Hanson. Hansen. That's what I thought it yeah. was. And that didn't sound right to me, but Dulé Hansen essentially had the team taken away from him, uh, but he's, they haven't been sold. So the, the league is running it. They've got league appointed folks in the front office. Uh, they have no real budget. Uh, and they kind of came into this year, sort of like bargain basement uh, acquisitions in the off season. And the expectations I think for everyone was that this would just be sort of a Chivas USA type situation. Yeah. And it's not been that at all. They've been competitive all year, but then at mid season, the evil sounders whisk away the, uh, the manager to come take an assistant job with them. Yeah, it's So weird. Just still the weirdest thing that could have happened. Yeah. I mean, it's something you never hear about anywhere. Really. I don't know that you can find like, I would struggle to find another example of this happening. And like for Freddie Juarez to leave, I think you can definitely justify his thinking, which is, Hey, I'm getting this job offer that I like. They won't commit to me. They won't tell me that they can't tell me that if I'm going to be employed in two weeks, let alone in two months, uh, why wouldn't I take this job? Right. But yet you, you, you never see this situation where a, a manager of a playoff, a playoff position team, leaves to take an assistant in the same league in the same conference i mean it's yeah yeah arguably rivals right like right yeah had our matches yeah absolutely rivals and and uh all kinds of things so he leaves and 
In steps Pablo uh, Mastroeni, who has some success as a head coach. It's not like he's some nobody, but he also is someone who I don't think was on the top of the list of anyone's uh, to hire. Uh, like he, he <laughs> like I don't know. He had kind of been a forgotten coach, so to speak. Like he got his chance. It worked out for a little while and then it didn't. And I don't feel like anyone has really thought of it since. And this is a coach who is known as like a defensive coach. And he sort of just throws caution to the wind and he starts using, he changes the formation. He starts throwing numbers forward and lo and behold, they're playing enter- Like, I don't know if it's great soccer all the time, but it's enter. It seems like it's entertaining soccer. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I can understand from a neutral perspective why it's entertaining. Um, but maybe for you, are, it's not at all. There, there are times when it's very entertaining for me. Um, there are also times when we give up six goals and uh, look like we have no idea how to defend or how to play in transition or like a, that we are intentionally playing with like five players up top in a line waiting for a cross. Like it's very strange. It's uh, I guess it's MLS, right? Right. Maybe that's normal. Right. I mean, but that's the thing is like, I think a few years ago it would have been seen even crazier because this is a league that, has thrived oftentimes on like copycats. Like everyone was playing for a while. Everyone was playing a four, two, three, one, like almost across the board. And now, you know, we're seeing a lot of different formations, but uh, you still don't expect a coach, a new coach to totally change the formation and change the way a team is playing, especially when they're, they were competitive before, but yet here they are. They, they've actually finished slightly better. Yeah. Slightly. They, like, 0.06 no, points right. per game. Yeah, like uh, they they were in a I mean they're in a better position than when they than when Juarez left them, or not maybe not in the table, but they they're on a better points per game, but they're not the same team, right? They're not the same team at all. You know that's this is the weird thing for me. So the last game is really instructive. Uh, the game against Sporting Kansas City, we won at the death, uh, which crazy game, right? Uh, I don't think anyone expected. RSL to revert back to the 4231, a, a more uh, solid, sane foundation. Um, but but we did. And that's the the weird thing for me is we we went down this path. We gave up, you know, we had multiple six goal conceded games. Um <laughs> after a crazy thing of, to say. Yeah, one of the best defensive teams in the league through the first half of the season. Uh, and we immediately went to one of the worst. Uh, and it's just like it, my mind is a little just, I don't know how to explain any of this. Um, aside from Pablo Mastroeni had nothing to lose. Right. And maybe that's all it comes down to is uh, right. maybe he's not risk averse at all and just said, well, let's go for it. It is, of course, a little weird that he, he told uh, he told reporters when he took over. Now, he was an assistant coach before, so he was familiar with the players, familiar with the setting familiar with the conditions that they were under. Um, and he said, you know, I'm not going to change anything big. Uh, and then he immediately changed everything. Um, and, and arguably he said like, this is, you know, this is to get the best out of Albert Rusnak. And uh, I don't want to preempt you too much, but uh, no, 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 go ahead. Long story short, we, we did see a much better Albert Rusnak. Um, but as I, as we were talking before we started, like we were looking at some of the, the statistical numbers RSL was a great attacking team for like three weeks. Uh, and then they went back to a normal attacking team, but they were still a bad defensive team. And I, I don't know, like it's really, 
it's a great illustration for me that formations do matter. A lot of people say formations don't matter. Um, I think they do. Um, and sometimes really weird ones can cost you points. Well, like one of the weird things that he's done is like on paper, Aaron Herrera has played right center back. And like conceptually, that sounds like a, a wild thing to throw out there because he is not just a right back, but he's an attack. Like he's essentially playing as a winger, even when he's playing right back. And yet he's been playing as a right center back on paper, but maybe on that's, it's really only on paper. Yeah. You know, uh, there are times when he's looked like a right center back in a three, five, two. And then there are times when he's bombing up the wing. Now, when he was, uh, so they also played him. Bef- so I guess let's rewind slightly. So we go into the three five two. Aaron Herrera is injured. Uh, he misses a couple games. Nothing, nothing too bad. Um, but we move into the three five two without Aaron Herrera. He comes back. He ends up playing a right wing formation, or, or position rather. Uh, he's playing in the attack. Um, he later, in, multiple matches later, two or three. I don't remember exactly. Uh, goes to Pablo Mastroeni and says, hey, put me in the back at this position. Like, I I feel better back here uh, in this hybrid right center back, right back, right wing back position. <laughs> um, but when Justin Glad was playing in that position, he was still, like, bombing up the wing. <laughs> um, so it, it's not just that Aaron Herrera is defaulting to kind of his natural inclination. It's that this is like an intentional thing. Um, and that's, I mean, that really contributes to uh, the number of goals conceded uh, when, <laughs> when you have uh, one center back back, you give up the ball in the midfield because that's what happens. Every team gives up the ball in the midfield um, and that's normal and expected behavior. And you build your team to account for that. Right. Um, but we didn't. And uh Aaron Herrera did end the season with, what, 11 assists? Really good. Uh, a, a great outlay. It's got a great cross on him. Um, great player. He's getting better in one-on-one defending scenarios. Um, and, and a vital player to the team. But we're still putting... We put him in this really weird position. Uh, and, you know, I, Jeremiah, I don't get it. Uh, so if you get it, I'd love to hear your thoughts. No, I, I definitely don't get it. Like I see this stuff and I think, well, that can't be right. And yet it, it is, I guess. Uh, but the, you, you mentioned this and, and sort of the kicker of the season was that they go into on the road to sporting Kansas city, a team, like if the Sounders are kind of a rival, I think sporting Kansas city really is a rival. Maybe they're even a bigger rival than the Rapids. I don't know. You, you tell me. Yeah, but, I mean, it goes back and forth. It depends on who we're playing that week. Right, okay. So, in any case, one of their biggest rivals. And and Kansas City has been up, in, you know, like, they, they've been pretty good. They've certainly been good at home. Uh, and and just kind of explain to me what happens in this season finale. And, <laughs> and, like, everything, like, for them, for RSL to get into the playoffs was not, like, a sure thing at all going into this game. Yeah. So I think to really tell the story of this game, we have to go back two more games. Uh, so we've got a home, two home games consecutively. We've got a game against San Jose who have been eliminated from the playoffs. And we've got a game against Portland Timbers. And 
actually, if we go back one more game, we've got a, a game against FC Dallas who have been eliminated from the playoffs. And I mean, not to do it again, but if we go back one more game, we've got a game against Chicago Fire who have been eliminated from the playoffs. So this is October 23rd forward. The final three games of the season, if in any of those games we win, just win, uh, we would have had a playoff spot secured. Um, so the the weird thing is uh, we lost against San Jose in really awful fashion. Um, it ended up 3-4, but two of those goals were scored in stoppage time. So RSL is 1-4 going into stoppage time. Like, you, you don't get out of that. Uh, and then a 1-3 loss against Portland Timbers, again at home. Um, so, and this is a team that's been much, much better at home. Um, we've been kind of miserable on the road. Um, we had, through the first half of the season, we had uh, like one win on the road. And that was a game, or no, two, two. Uh, one of those was a game against Vancouver Whitecaps who were playing at Rio Tinto Stadium. So not a true road game. Um, so that's the context we come into this game with. Uh, so, so we go to Sporting Kansas City, who have been in good form, right? And you've been following that closely. Um, of course, they, they had lost their two previous games, too, because nobody wanted to win the Western Conference. No, that was the strangest end to... It, it's amazing. I, to divert us a little bit, I was just thinking yeah. about this today. Is like, all year we've been saying how strong the Western Conference is and how weak the Eastern Conference is, and yet mm-hmm. somehow I've managed to talk myself into thinking there's like three or four legitimate contenders in the East. And I don't know who like really the favorite, like I suppose maybe, maybe the Sounders are still considered the favorites in the West, but they're on a six game winless run. Like it's like, there's no one that is, is like really surging into the playoffs, but go ahead. Yeah. Very strange situation. Right. Um, So Kansas city's coming off the back of two losses. We're coming off the back of two losses. uh, And we revert to this very defensive, 4-2-3-1 4-2-3-1 formation. Uh, we create some chances. Um, we're not creating at the same rate, but we're also not giving up you know, big chances from the first minute to the 90th minute uh, at a rate of like five a minute, or not five a minute, excuse me, one every five minutes. Uh, a very different thing there. Um, <laughs> but we go through the game, and Kansas City's not doing much. Uh, we're not doing that much. Uh, it gets into stoppage time. We know we need to win if we want to make the playoffs. Anything else, we're out. And LA Galaxy's in. So it comes like the 97th minute or something. Uh, late, late, late in stoppage. Uh, and you know we, we get the ball in the box. We do some weird stuff. Justin Miram tries an overhead kick that like, I, I think that was supposed to be a shot, not a pass. You, you would imagine, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you don't go up for a for a bicycle kick if you are. You see the guy at the far post, right? yeah. <laughs> um, but he does, and uh, it it lands right at Demir Krylik's feet, um, and he he just blasts him to you know the top net, and uh, yeah, it was it was quite a story. So I was actually on a road trip at that time, um, and I was driving down the one uh, in California, um, heading toward Fort Bragg. Nice, and it's super windy, and we had no service, so. Through like the 80th minute, I I knew that we were zero zero, but I'd caught only like glimpses. But we get to uh, we went to Glass Beach. We get there and I turn on the radio and I'm walking around the beach listening and Krylik scores that goal. You know it at the very very end and then 
was, you know, a moment to remember, certainly. Yeah. I mean, and, and I guess we should mention also shortly before the the goal, there is a a penalty shout for Kansas city, which completely causes Peter Vermees to. Well, not just a shout, right? That, Right. That should have been a penalty. Like, yeah, like just like, dribbles Salt Lake the ball. Fan. Yeah, yeah, just right onto his arm. Uh, there, there's no doubt in my mind that that should have been a penalty. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. And and Pro even came out the the next day. They very quickly, like very quickly for them, came out the next day and basically <laughs> said, "Yeah, we blew that one. Sorry." Yeah, um, but you know, like I'm not. I don't think either one of us are inclined to like feel too sorry for Kansas city in that one. I mean, they're playing no. at home and if you're relying on a, on a handball that wasn't like you, they did a bunch to earn the the penalty. So yeah. whatever, like, I don't, I don't have much sympathy for sporting Kansas city in this one. I don't have much sympathy for the galaxy who essentially were knocked out uh, by virtue of that, not getting called. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a chance to win their game. They didn't do it. So, yep. you know, whatever, like RSL, as far as I'm concerned, deserves this spot. They, they made their own luck. But this is a team that is that's pretty dangerous, I think. I mean, you, you have Albert Rusnak, you have Demir Krylock, you have Aaron Herrera, you have these dangerous attacking pieces. Yeah. And you have a coach who apparently is extremely unpredictable. I mean, what yes. what do you how do you imagine they're gonna line up for this game on on Tuesday? <laughs> I've been thinking about this um probably an unhealthy amount, and I I have no idea, honestly. Um <laughs> it will be one of I Okay, I can say this with like 95% certainty. It will be either the 352 that's very attacking and will just really go for it, or it'll be the 4231 that is not very attacking. Set up shop. And uh, one of those two. Um, I do think it's it's worth pointing out that we do have a lot of dangerous pieces, um, but they've kind of come and gone through the season. Like Anderson Julio scored some beautiful, beautiful goals late in stoppage like a very clutch player. Rubio Rubin has been a good goal scorer and like a, a surprise, right? Everyone thought his career was over. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin Miram has gone from looking like he should retire to a player that's pretty good. Um, and so I'm left like, oh, and I guess we can't forget Bobby Wood. Right, I was going to say. <laughs> it's it's really weird. Um, we have all these great attacking pieces, Um but like Bobby Wood has as many goals as Michael Chang. Uh, and I think that that tells us something. <laughs> and that's that MLS is weird and uh, don't don't count on anything. Yeah. Uh, and, I, you know, like I, I think if the Sounders are like picking out who they want to play in the first round, I suppose RSL might be like no, no disrespect, but I, like there's not a lot of great matchups for anyone in this thing. And RSL is probably the team that, you know, like they have a, some history against and they should know what they're going up against and all these kind of things. But like, like you said, there's a lot of reasons to like, it's not that hard to dream up a scenario where RSL wins this game. Yeah. Well, and, and we don't have to look further than September right. to see RSL beating the Sanders and the Sanders looking kind of like Bad. miserable, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like RSL was the better team in that game. No question about it. At the you know at the time, it it looked like a small blip. I mean, it was like the one loss that the Sounders had in like a six game stretch where they were playing mm-hmm. about as well as they had been playing uh, all year. 
and and it looked like they were about ready to sprint to the finish line and we were talking about oh is this team gonna are they gonna like make a run at at new england and of course that didn't happen yeah uh but it's been been an interesting year and i i I have to admit it would not totally shock me to see rsl like figure this one out yeah i mean we do have history at at uh what's the name of your stadium again i was lumen field lumen field yeah Yeah. um but bobby and spindle galaxy so yeah oh yeah yeah but we we did win the 2009 mls cup that's right in that stadium so i mean that that makes me feel pretty good yeah, that's a, uh, it's, it's a place that has positive vibes, I would think, for RSL fans. Yeah, so I've come to like four games there in the last six years or so, and we always lose them quite badly. Okay, uh, well, you're going to come, I hope, on n- Tuesday. No, unfortunately. <laughs> um, a two-week road trip uh, does not lead me to want to make it to Seattle for this. Yeah, um, that's... But, you but know. You, you did, did you take one all the way down? uh almost all the way down i mean we hop between the 101 and the one and if it will now that now that we're into this where did so how tell us your path how did you get down to fort bragg yeah so uh the the trip started of course in salt lake city uh drove up to seattle went down through portland uh eureka we've got a friend who's you know going to humboldt state so we you know checked out the redwoods and drove down uh hit fort bragg on the way stayed in monterey uh visited uncles in long beach uh, then my wife has wow. family in Mesa, Arizona. Uh-huh. So we went over there and then we stayed there for like five days and headed home. Um, so it was, you know, almost 4,000 miles. And oh basically, uh, to put it in perspective, it's the same, almost the same as driving from Seattle to Miami. Oh, my God. So, you know, it was it was a lot of driving, but, you know, it was fun. It was good. Yeah, we we did a, not to bore the listeners here, but we did a road <laughs> trip last summer, not this like. I guess it was now two summers ago uh, where we drove from Seattle down to uh, the Santa Cruz area. Oh yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. It was like, it was some driving that I've like some parts of the coast that I've never seen. uh, And despite living my entire life on this part of the country and uh, not to not, you know, again, not to bore our our listeners, but it's, I would say it's all that driving is good driving. Like it's only, unless you take five all the way down and then it's it's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful but, country we've got out here. Yeah, it is. It is a beautiful country out here. But all right. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that kind of gives us I, I should throw in that even with all that wildness going on, you also had you found yourself sort of embroiled in a minor. I don't know if it <laughs> should be a minor controversy, but you had a backup goalkeeper get kicked out of the, the team, essentially, for I think we can call it like using racist language. Yes, uh, definitely. Is, I think, a good way of putting it. Um, what's going on with David Putna these days? Like, what, what's the situation there? If you could kind of recap that. Yeah, so it's Andrew Putna and... Uh, Andrew, sorry. Um, he uh, is reported to have called David Ochoa um, a used uh, racist language toward him, which, one, you never want to see with teammates, right? Right. Um, obviously. Uh, but it, it sounds like this is not surprising for some people with Andrew Putna, and that's uh, very oh, interesting so. to me. Yeah. Um, it sounds like he has not been waived. Um, of, of course, Rare Salt Lake can't waive him outside of MLS, allowing some sort of special action, right? Uh, the roster freeze has already happened. So given MLS rules, that's the case. He's on a guaranteed contract. Yeah. Well, and after the roster freeze, I don't think you can 
waive a player, even if they're not on a oh, guaranteed okay. contract. Um, and MLS uh, said they, they, I don't remember the exact wording, but they, they found that that report was accurate. Um, but they, the action they took was saying, well, you can't train with the team for two games. But he's, he's already been away from Salt Lake City uh, for multiple weeks now. Um, training with, you know, we saw on Twitter, he's training with somebody. I don't remember who it is, but uh, somebody, and I believe Bobby Shuttleworth was there too. Hmm. Uh, so just a strange situation um, where MLS said, yeah, he he did it. We we believe you. Uh, but, you know, I guess he, he can go over there, um, but he's still on your roster. So, you know, do do as you will. <laughs> it's very strange. Um, not Not, I think, the right outcome. Um, but you know, he's not with the team anymore and that's, that's a good thing. And it sounds like it hasn't been too disruptive for the, or maybe it was, I don't know how disruptive has it been for the team? Yeah. It doesn't sound like it's been too disruptive. Um, it sounds like he was not a great presence in the locker room already. Oh, okay. Um, and I, I suspect him being gone is probably a better thing for the team as a whole. Um, and probably less disruptive to not have him there. Okay. All right. Well. We've had yeah, our share of disruptive things over the last two years. So uh, that, that, right, that barely registered, I guess. Not too bad. And obviously so, bad. Obviously bad. Right. Obviously bad. But on the, on the, on the balance, not as disruptive, I suppose, is, yes. the, is the issue. Uh, so one of the other players I, I wanted to mention is David Ochoa, who is, seems to be like, in some ways, the perfect goalkeeper for RSL and their, and their current place in the world, which is someone who has some extreme highs and yet, also has some frustrations yeah i think that's fair to say he's a great shot stopper that's what you want from your young goalkeepers right um you want a great shot stopper somebody who's good with their feet that's kind of the model uh and then you you expect them to grow into that sweeper keeper kind of mentality right when they can make those decisions uh with a little more experience right now he's in the shot stopping phase and he's very good at it um but occasionally he'll make a a pretty big error and uh you know, I just have to hope it doesn't cost us. Um, but he's he's clearly an up-and-comer. Um, I've often heard that RSL is even better players waiting in the wings, coming through the academy. That always remains to be seen, right? Right. Uh, promise is only paid out when a player is playing. Uh, and I think we're seeing some of that. Um, but I, I think he could be a lot better in the next five years. Uh, I just hope we get to see that in MLS. Yeah, has you know he he made a lot of headlines when he he played most of his career. He's he's born here. He grew up here. He spent his whole life, as far as I know, in the United States. Yeah, uh, Oxnard, Ventura, kind of that area. Right, and he but he has a, a Mexican passport, and mm-hmm. he uh, he decided to represent the Mexican national team at the at the senior uh, level, despite playing for the U.S. at the youth level, and at you know even as recently as playing in the Olympic qualifying. Uh, has that had any sort of impact, good or, or bad, for, for him, do you think? Yeah, I mean, he hasn't had call-ups to Mexico uh, lately, uh, so that hasn't been disruptive. Um, I don't know that he would have had call-ups to the U.S. had he stayed with right. the U.S., so I don't think it's been too disruptive. Uh, it's more been interesting to watch. Um, I believe it's his father or grandfather that played in the Mexican League. Um, I don't remember where, maybe Chivas, maybe not. Hmm. Um, but he does have a great affinity for Chivas. Uh, so I think that's kind of the the thing we're all waiting to see is, will he eventually go there? You know, that's well, a big destination. So the thing that 
was weird to me and i and i know maybe he's explained this is like was there some like event that caught that forced him to make a decision now or was it just like he wanted to get it out there like hey guys i know i'm not getting called up to either team but when i do it's going to be with mexico yeah he's he's fairly uh he's young he's fiery we saw like at the very start of the season against minnesota united you go back to game one uh he we win the game he kicks the ball like into the uh whatever they they call their the wonder wall. Thing. The wonder wall. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> I just hate it so much. Um, <coughs> excuse me. By uh, the way, he, uh, oh yeah. Completely aside, apparently U.S. soccer is considering holding a World Cup qualifier in January at Allianz Field, which is maybe the dumbest idea I've ever heard. But yeah, go on. I mean, I guess the opposing team wouldn't uh, be in a good spot. So that's right. Yeah, because all of something. our players are used to playing in sub-zero temperatures. <laughs> But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so so he starts the season that way. Uh, Adrian Heath calls him not as good as he thinks he is or something like that. Uh, <laughs> Adrian a, a Heath. Mediocre goalkeeper. Um, so so that gives you a sense of who David Ochoa is. He's yeah. he's an antagonizing guy. Um, famously, when uh, Real Monarchs won the USL Cup, do they call it the right. whatever it know. is yeah the playoff thing uh, he blew kisses at the opposing fans and this is like a 19 year old right yeah uh <laughs> so so he is uh they call it a shithouser right that's what yeah. it is yeah yeah um so so we we come to him making a decision and he he you know plays with the u.s he seems to indicate that he didn't feel respected in some way right it never was clear why or what and then he decides, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go with Mexico and I'm going to make it known. And he files his one time switch. I don't know. He's gone back and forth through his youth. Like, I, I get it. Um, as, as someone who doesn't have uh, like my heritage is based in the U.S. Right. And I've never obviously not a pro soccer player, but I've never really had to grapple with that part of my identity. Right. And I wonder, like, as a young person. Like that's a very interesting thing, and I I think we don't talk about it enough in sports, like what that actually means for the person. Right. No, I mean I think it's it's fascinating. You know, my uh, I I grew up in an area where there were, you know, like I went to a high school that was basically fifty fifty uh, white kids and and uh, Hispanic kids, and um and my my wife is Mexican, and I I have a great like respect for that decision making process. Uh, I certainly don't begrudge him choosing Mexico. I just thought it was an interesting, like there was like, he filed his one-time switch, which I guess means that he's, that's he's, he's thrown his lot in with like, there's no going yeah. back on it. And it's not like he did it in order to get a world cup call up. He just did it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think maybe there's a long-term play there. The U S is kind of stacked with good goalkeepers right. and especially it seemed at the time. Um, we'll see if any of those players really like pan out. Um, but you know, Guillermo Ochoa is nearing the end of his career, and and that may play into the calculus. A yeah, little no, bit. I'm sure. It, I mean, it makes sense. It's, I mean, it makes sense from a like, why would he like assume? It just, it just felt a little cart before the horsey is all. But uh, yeah, hey, a little bit. Anyway, good for him. Yeah, he made a choice, and he's sticking with it. Yep. Uh, but yeah, all right. Well, I guess that that kind of gets us prepped for this game. Uh, I'm as prepped I'm as looking for. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be wild. You know the. We've had a few of those uh, 
interesting. This is the, I think the fourth time now that, that the Sounders and RSL have met in the playoffs and uh, they've all been close and they've all been interesting. And uh, you know, we'll see where this goes. Yeah. I still remember Tony Beltran clearing the ball off the line uh, back yeah, in Jeff what, Park. 11 or 12. Yeah. 11. That, I think, yeah, that was 11. Je- that was the year that Je- I think it was a Jeff Park header. If I remember, or maybe it was, Beltron cleared it with his head. Maybe that's yeah. what it was. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, and that was and I remember uh, sitting in the press box with Trey Fitzgerald and him like losing his mind over what was going on in that game. That's and then of, classic. Yeah, and then of course I remember. I remember exactly where I was. I was at a friend's house watching the the game the next year when Mario Martinez had his one shining moment for the Sounders. <laughs> yep, a lot of classic uh, moments. Yeah. But uh, anyway, well, Matt, thank you for doing this. Uh, I hope everyone here is, is paying attention to RSL soapbox. That's the site you write for. And you guys do some great podcasts. Thanks. I, yeah, I really enjoy your podcasts. Thanks. Yeah, we, we spend like half an hour at the start of every episode in what we call social hour. Yeah. Uh, so to take your listeners off track, you know, earlier today, that's, that's kind of the experience you get with us. Right. It's, it's good stuff. I, and so I, I would urge I would urge fans, if if nothing else, in preparation for game on Tuesday, check out RSL Soapbox, check out your podcast feed. Uh, you guys do good stuff, Matt. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Jeremiah. And uh, I, if you want me to come back on uh, after Tuesday to talk about RSL's win, I'd be happy to. <laughs> okay. Maybe we'll do that. We'll adopt you guys as our team from here oh, on out. Perfect. There you go. There you go. All right. All right. Well, thanks uh, for coming on, Matt. Uh, You're listening to the Sounder at Heart podcast, and uh, we'll catch you next time.